I've been doing a lot of mentoring calls lately, and surprisingly, that has become one of the most favorite things I get to do. I have it available online where girls will book a call with me, and nine times out of ten, we're talking about boys, but I've noticed some similar things. Often, I get phone calls about, should we stay together? Should we break up? Um, What about my single years? How do we do this? How do I appreciate this season? What do I go from here? Graduation, single life, married life, all the things. So today in this episode, I'm going to unpack some of the most common themes and conversations I have on mentoring calls. If you are in your 20s hoping there is more to life than boys and Bacardi, you are in the right place. Katie Ballmer has been a keynote speaker to over 60 colleges nationwide, encouraging 20-somethings to realize their worth, find their calling, and not date dirtbags. But seriously, Katie is an author, viral TikTok creator, wife, mom of two girls, and your adopted aunt that you never knew how bad you needed. Ready to have some real conversation tackling the hottest topics? This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. I'm so excited about this episode. I feel like I'm having a mentoring call with me and you and all of our friends. So what I'm going to unpack is really, I just kind of took some notes on some recent mentoring calls. Like, yeah, I've heard that over and over again. I'm going to just make a little note of something I want to unpack more. And then recently had a call with my interns and I'm like, what conversations are you hearing with your friends on your campus? Like, what do we need to have healthier perspective shifts as it relates to all the stuff you're dealing with? So that's what we're going to do. And bullet point number one is loving your single life. This is something that doesn't get talked about enough. And I want to talk to you if you are recently out of a relationship, if you've been single for a long time and just kind of feeling like it's this, you know, groundhog day of singleness, or maybe you're in a relationship and you're like, eh, not so sure. Well, perhaps this will help you see a positive way to look at singleness. For example, in a recent conversation, I was talking to a girl who had gotten out of a relationship and, you know, just was kind of feeling like in this funk, um, starting to question if ending that relationship was a good idea, feeling lonely. And what we ended up talking about actually like got me really excited. And I wanted to share this with you. So what we ended up talking about is, okay, this period of singleness is not forever. And the narrative that we're taught about singleness is that it's just kind of like this hallway, like it's just passing through and it doesn't count as much because when I get married, when I find the right person, when I get my job, when, 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 but your life is now and this hallway is more than a hallway. It is a stage. It is a, it's this period of your life that matters and it's building toward something exciting. So one of the ways to look at this is you are in training, you know, like think about an Olympic athlete, like the Olympics is this culmination of all you've ever done. It's like this big, exciting deal, but they didn't show up to the Olympics and be like, Hey, I think I want to learn how to do the backstroke. Like, no, they've been practicing their whole life, how to do whatever it is they're in the Olympics to do. So if we change that to relationships in your singleness, this is a wonderful training ground. What a wonderful gift to give your future spouse. And I've said this a million times. I hope that you have heard it or need to rehear it. What a gift to give your future spouse of working on the best version of yourself. That might mean going to a counselor, going to the gym, learning cooking classes, um, getting out of debt. Like there's so many things that we can do to work on that best version of yourself. And, and people are like, oh, you know, money, time, effort, but don't you hope your future spouse is doing the same? So when I was talking to this young lady about this specifically, we worked together to like 
put this on the calendar to make of this like an event, like the next month is healing girl may think of a better name than that. That's cool. Like healing girl may I am going to put it on the calendar and by golly, I'm going to go to dinner to celebrate. I'm going to buy myself flowers. I'm going to like set things on the calendar to make all in all hands on deck. This is the month I am going to work on myself. Now, of course, it's a lifelong process, but when you kind of have this Kickstarter of this, like we're doing the dang thing, like it's, it makes it exciting. So if you're just getting over a breakup, for example, being artistic is a really good way of healing. So as I was talking to this specific young lady, she was talking about how she always wanted to learn how to cook, that she just found it fascinating. You know, she always made hamburger helper, didn't really know how to do anything fancier than that, but thought that might be, you know, something she wanted to explore. And I'm like, all right, whip out that phone, get on the Google, (laughs) get on the Google. (laughs) Anyways, Google, where are some cooking places in town? What are some things you can learn about cooking? You know, YouTube videos, but even better if you can do it in community, because guess what? You're single, you have a maybe a little bit extra time and you never know what cute eligible boys will be in the cooking class. That's not solely why you're doing it, of course. I'm just saying it might be a nice bonus. So you can see how these are all like multifaceted. You're healing by being creative and using that creative side of your brain. You're learning a beautiful life skill by cooking that will eventually feed you and your family and your little babies one day. And people ask me all the time, Katie, where can you find good guys? High caliber people are hanging out in high caliber places. Bettering yourself, the gym, cooking classes, I don't know, local meetups for entrepreneurs. There is something in your area, I promise. Maybe I know, I know there's someone listening who lives in like Nowhereville, Alabama. It might be harder. But if you even Zoom, I had a friend who, in the height of the pandemic, her goal was a single young lady, her goal was to meet 500 people a year in the height of a global pandemic. But guess what? There were Zooms out the wazoo. There were networking events for everything you can imagine. So everything that was closely related to something she was interested in, she got on and signed up and did the networking event. So there are ways to meet people. There are excuses, of course. Oh, Katie, I live in a small town. Oh, I'm not going to know anyone. Listen, what a wonderful opportunity. This is the kick in the pants. This is the month. I am going to show up and go to the class that I am mildly interested in, but I might be even more interested in if I just show up. And listen, you might hate cooking. That's fine. Then go back to Google and find, um, I don't know, yoga classes, spin classes, something that interests you. This is your permission slip slash kick in the pants (laughs) to make it a priority to find something that interests you, to find an artistic outlet and to get out there and meet people. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that... (laughs) covered like three questions because I get all the time, you know, where do I meet people? I'm single. I feel lonely. I'm not sure what to do with my time. And then also these all build on each other because guess what's more attractive? A girl sitting lonely in her apartment, you know, drinking a beer and crying, watching friends episodes because she's lonely and single or a girl who is out there volunteering at a local kid's garden, taking cooking classes, going to the gym and working on getting out of debt. I mean, you know, like if you, that's just attractive. It's attractive that you care about yourself because guess what? We teach other people how to value us and you have to value yourself. Your own precious, beautiful self needs to be invested in. 
And perhaps you never have taken time to do that because, you know, that's totally normal. I know my college self, you, you go through school, you're in high school, and then you're in college and you're just spinning your wheels and doing all the things. And all of a sudden, at some point in our lives, we all kind of come to this, oh, shoot, like I haven't prioritized me. Maybe I bet a lot of people listening are like, I'm not even sure what I'm interested. I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of classes I would like to take if I had the time or money or like, but I bet if you take some time to invest in yourself and discover, you might find something totally fascinating about yourself. A few podcast episodes ago, I mentioned how a young lady I mentored did not know she could paint until she went through a breakup. Not that I wish a breakup and a heartbreak on anyone, but that low point in her life kind of forced her to just find a creative outlet and she ended up being this incredible painter. And I'm like, what? That was in you this whole time and you didn't even know it? So sometimes we have to kind of get in this spot where we're kind of forced to do something that we haven't always done. Uh, I shared recently on Instagram, if we want a different type of relationship, we have to date in a different kind of way. If we want different results than what we've always had, we have to do different actions. There's a quote that says that everyone wants to make a difference, but no one wants to be different. Marinate on that for a second. So you're not going to see a lot of your 20-year-old friends doing some of these things I talked about. You know, you're going to see a lot of people, oh, I'm just going to go to the bar. I'm just going to sleep late. I'm just going to ugh through life. Well, those kind of actions are going to create ugh results. <laughs> There's probably a better word for that. But listen, if the road to to better, if the road to what you value and what you want, if everyone was on that road, it would be crowded. But it's not crowded, which is a good sign. It's going to take different actions. It's going to take maybe not a lot of friends going with you. But the good thing is, I promise you, a lot of people are just waiting for someone else to go first. There's a name for this. It's called the gift of going first. But if you are one who stands out and like, you know, everyone around me is going to the bar and hookup culture and whatever, that is not what I want. And you do something differently. I promise you, you're doing that gift of going first. There is going to be friends around you and it, it may not be right away, but they're going to be like, she is doing something interesting. I want to know more about how she is living. And you're going to be surprised at how many people come out of the woodwork and be like, tell me more about what you're doing. Did you know that you can unwind, have fun, and not have a hangover? I'm so excited to partner with Curious Elixir's booze-free cocktails designed to help you unwind with adaptations, but not to help you blur your decision-making or have a hangover. There's a promo code waiting for you right underneath this episode in the show notes. Curious Elixirs, shaken, not slurred. Okay, another theme that comes up often in mentoring calls is young girls reaching out, wanting to decide if the relationship should continue. So essentially, they are past the infatuation stage. If you haven't heard me say this before, I'll say it again, but neurologically speaking, infatuation can only last 12 to 18 months. So what happens often is we get past that 12 to 18 month period and the rose colored glasses come off and you see that they do have flaws, shocking. And oftentimes we start to question, hmm, I'm not sure if this is right or not. Now listen, this is kind of the good thing though, because when the rose colored glasses come off, that's eventually going to happen if you get married. This is when you see the flaws but you love them anyway. This is when I see you're good, you're bad, and you're ugly, and I love all of it. 
which if we're honest, that's what we all crave. But the tricky thing, and this is why I'm a big proponent of waiting for marriage for sexual encounters, because a lot of times what happens is if there is sex before this 12 to 18 month period, there's so much bonding that happens physically, neurologically, scientifically, like our hormones are all intertwined. Like sex is a big deal and it bonds people. Okay. We know this, but a lot of times I will get phone calls from girls who have already been intimate with their partner. The infatuation stage has worn off. And now it's like, Oh shoot. I see a million red flags. I don't think that they're one for me, but I don't want to break up with them because I feel bonded because of sex. And then if I do break up with them, I feel like I'm damaged goods. I'm like, Oh goodness. Okay, here we go. First of all, let's get this idea of damaged goods. Let's like put it in a furnace somewhere and light it and just no, no, no. And no damaged goods is not a thing like that. You, all of our sin was nailed to the cross. Okay. That doesn't mean we should keep on sinning. That doesn't mean we shouldn't learn from this relationship and like, Oh shoot. I realize now that being intimate with this person makes me want to stay in a toxic relationship. And I don't want to do that anymore. Learn from that and bring it forward. You know better. You didn't know what you didn't know. Now, you know, you can learn. Okay. But the girl I'm talking to already been intimate once now sees that mm, this relationship is not good. Sister, <laughs> you, you have to walk away. The biggest thing is thinking long-term. So if you're like, Oh shoot. Um, he is not a Christian. Um, he wants to live in Mississippi and I want to live in Zimbabwe. <laughs> um, I want 12 kids. He wants zero. Like there are some big, big things that are not going to work. You only have two options. You can one decide together that we love each other and we are going to make it work. And we are going to do the work because no one drifts toward better. No one just, you know, gradually wakes up every day and get closer and closer together it takes intentionality. It might take counseling. It's going to take step by step. It's not a light switch thing. It's going to take intentional work to decide together that you want to work. Or it's going to take, thank you for the memories, deuces, homie. I don't mean to make light of it. I know it's a big deal, but deuces, homie is kind of funny. Okay. So the way to maybe decide, I think the biggest thing is when we can think long term. So for example, of one of the girls I was talking to, she knew, everyone knew this relationship was not going anywhere. Um, her mama and her sister knew. And I think, you know, sometimes when people know you really well, listen to them. I know it's hard and not all mamas and sisters know better. And sometimes they just want to be protective. But if you have a lot of people who love you and want what is best for you, and they are saying, sister, this is, this is not good. You need to listen with love. So in this particular example, Mom and sister were saying no, everything she was telling me, it, it was just like, yeah, girl, this is going to be hard, but it's time to, to time to walk away. So the way to see all of that is thinking long-term. So in this example, you could say, you know what? I'm just going to suppress my feelings. I'm going to pretend like everything's okay. I'm just going to go through the motions and we're going to take it day by day. And eventually <laughs> that would mean probably marriage. Like they were talking about marriage, you know, marriage and having children and living where she didn't want to live and doing what she didn't want to do. And ultimately being married to someone that she knew was not her best. Yes. So that option would mean an eventual, even worse breakup, you know, even messier, even more heartache, even, you know, joint custody and just, Oh, like so much pain. 
or it sucks right now. It's going to be a painful either way, but right now we're not married. We don't have kids. It's going to be painful, but I'm going to end this now and do both of us a favor, both of us a service by pulling off that bandaid and allowing healing to take place sooner rather than later. And another conversation I was having, it's always long-term. When you can think long-term, it just helps put stuff in more perspective. This was um, a couple with very different ideas of faith. In one conversation, it was a girl in a year and a half relationship. And she was like, faith is really important to me, but my boyfriend is an atheist. Now, first of all, (laughs) I have to say, and I said this with love, I'm like, my friend, if faith is very important to you, then why are you in a year and a half long relationship with an atheist? At that point, it is not, you can't blame him. It's not like, how dare you not be strong in your faith because you never communicated that that mattered to you. And so, and and that's actually come up more than once too. And so in that example, I would come at it like almost apologetically, like, Hey, you know, I haven't communicated that this matters to me. I haven't gone to church myself. I haven't opened my Bible. I haven't done anything personally to grow But as I'm thinking more long-term, I want to raise my children in the church. I want to not just go to heaven when I die. I want to live on this earth, a faith-filled, relationship-filled, not religion, a relationship-filled life with Jesus. And I haven't been doing that. And that's my fault. And I apologize for not making that a priority. But, you know, just convictions in my life and changes. This is where I'm headed. And I would love for you to go with me. But I understand that this is new to you, but... I want to go to church. I want to be involved in a small group, like whatever that those steps that you are taking. And I would start there, you know, hopefully, ideally, he's like, okay, interesting. I would like to come with you and you can grow together in your faith, but not always. And especially if you've had a year and a half long relationship and faith has never come up once, you know, you can't expect like him to be, oh, I want to be the spiritual leader of our family and baptize our children. Like this is all new to him too. And he can't be faulted for that, but just thinking long-term and that's going to be a gradual thing. So if he's open to y'all growing together, awesome. But if not, you got to think about where is this eventually going to end up? We're all on paths and those paths lead somewhere. I mean, this is not complicated when it comes to directions If I want to go to Canada, I need to drive north. But when it comes to our lives, like if I want to have a faith-filled marriage, if I want to grow as a Christian, if I want to raise my children in the church, that's a path. And there are steps on that path. And those paths lead somewhere. If I want to be able to do five pull-ups, I need to practice by trying to do one and then two and then maybe two and a half. Like, It is a path and there are steps. This is a principle. There's a book called The Principle of the Path. But it's somehow mind-blowing when it comes to dating or bettering ourselves. But these are all paths. So think where, what's the path that you're on and where is it headed? Nothing is beyond work. Nothing is beyond a shift in direction, a fork in the road. But if you are just talking about yourself, Great. You can change directions anytime, every day. I preach that all the time. You made decisions in the past you weren't proud of. There is a fork in the road tomorrow. You can make a turn. But when you're in a relationship, especially as it relates to faith, which is something that you have to be on the same page with, that takes both of you. That takes both of you. Hey, we have been living this way, but I apologize. I did not make it important to me that I want to go this way instead. 
This is important to me. This is the direction I want to head. I would love for you to come with me and then taking steps in the direction you want to go. Something else I find myself saying on almost every mentoring call is tell yourself what is true. I just, I hear so often girls call me, you know, maybe they're going through a breakup. They're not sure what to do next. They're low self-worth or whatever it is. I'm like, listen, I hear a lot of negative self-talk, a lot of well, he said this or she said that, that has gotten under your skin and into your brain. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to let Brandon decide your worth. You're going to let like some random internet person, you're going to let a friend from high school that you don't even talk to anymore. Like they don't have that type of power over you. So it's taking those lies captive. It's like, you know, they come in and you literally picture yourself grabbing. Wait, I know that is a lie. A lie is not it's not truth. It is why would I let that have any real estate space in my brain? So I'm going to grab that lie and replace it with truth. Example, this guy broke up with me. He made me feel unworthy. Is he the definer of my worth? No. A lot of times I recommend girls to go to Ephesians 2 and start highlighting all the things that God says you are. It is a chapter just full of you are righteous, you are redeemed, you are worthy, you're bought with a price, you are worth a sacrifice, like all of these things over and over again about who you are and understanding who the creator of the universe says you are over Brandon. No offense, Brandon. I don't know who you are. It's fine. Um, but you know, there's some guy who totally like blow to the ego, really hurt your feelings, just totally left you feeling self-worth questions to say the least. He doesn't get to define your worth. Like he might've been a great guy cool. Congratulations. He still did not raise from the dead or create the whole universe. So there. So Ephesians 2 with a highlighter, you can do it on your Bible app and just like click on it and highlight those verses. Might be a really helpful way to tell yourself what is true. Another thing I often recommend to girls is write a letter to yourself. I'm sure I've said this at least once or twice on a podcast episode, but you have to be your best cheerleader. So for example, Dear Megan, I know this has been a hard year. Like this is Megan writing a letter to herself. So I'm Megan uh, and I'm writing a letter to myself. Dear Megan, I know this has been a really hard year. You didn't get the job you thought you would get. The pandemic has altered a lot of things that you thought would be. You and that guy that you thought would be forever broke up and it has been a hard year, but I am so proud of you because you are deciding who you are. You are deciding what matters to you. You showed up to that networking event. You signed up for cooking classes. You did the dang thing. You are growing out of your comfort zone. There's beautiful things on the horizon for you. I'm so proud of you. Like just write a hype letter to yourself because if you don't, who will? Like this is this is on you now. You know, this is why I love the 20 somethings because your mama or your grandma or your sister that they did that while you're growing up. At least I hope so and kind of hyped you up. But at some point, you know, you're a grown up and this is kind of on you now to be like I need to tell myself what is true and I need to encourage myself. I need to be in my corner, like in my cheering section, I am proud of you, myself. <laughs> Look in the mirror, write little notes around your your face and sticky notes. Like you did the dang thing. You showed up. It was hard, but you did it. I am so proud of you. I see growth. Look at you a year ago versus look at you now. And look even 
for the forecast in the future, what I see in the future is you're on this path to incredible things. Like by next year, you're going to have strong arms. You're going to have a healthier mind. You're going to be debt free. I don't know, whatever it is, because you're on a path and those paths lead somewhere and you are doing the dang thing, taking steps in the right direction. I read this book and I can link it in the show notes by Andy Stanley. It's called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And if I had to boil it down, essentially, he's just asking, what story do you want to tell? And I love that because especially for you guys, my 20 something friends, like the pen is in your hand right now. You know, you are writing your dating story. You are writing your college story. You're writing your first job story. And I I realize there are so many things that are not completely in our control, but our reactions are. And while there might be hard things, we get to choose our reaction. We get to choose how we show up. And the pen is in your hand. You get to write the story. And listen, I don't want you to be like, oh, shoot. Oh, oh, my story is just, it's not good. Actually, think about all the stories that you love. There were some not good parts, right? But what an exciting and empowering idea to know that the next chapter, the pen is in your hand. You get to write the next chapter. And don't think about the next 30 chapters. Think about the next sentence, the next page. You don't have to be able to see the whole journey. You just have to be able to see the next step. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up with just a a personal story of something that kind of, um, I guess if I'm mentoring myself, (laughs) this is something that has been really impactful for me lately and will hopefully be impactful to you listeners as well. So a lot of stuff that I've been talking about today and, you know, I think a lot of you guys are, um, growing in your faith or at least interested in Christianity and, And that's great. And I think that, you know, growing in your faith obviously is very important. It's something I'm very passionate about. But something that has really struck me, uh, I guess you could say, lately. So I listened to another podcast called Walk in Love. And she kind of begged the question is, what if Jesus lived in our house? And first of all, I know you're going to be like, like, what? Um, But just as a friend, as a helper, as a mentor, what if he was just literally visiting, coming through. And I'm like, oh, you need a place to stay for a weekend? Like, of course I would open up my home. And the first thought is often like, oh, I have to have it cleaned up and I have to be on my best behavior. And I don't think that that is what God wants you. He wants your messy, your imperfect, like you, you know, as a good and loving father, like I already know all the flaws he's thinking. He wants to just know us. And that is, idea has been marinating in my brain lately. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. And so I like to go on walks. It's just my jam. I like to go on neighborhood walks. Um, it, it just, I don't know, clears my head. It's something I like to do. And a lot of times I'll listen to music or podcasts and I'll prayer walk a lot. That's something I like to do. But with this in my brain, I just imagined going on a walk with Jesus, like as if I am walking with a friend. I put my earbuds in so I didn't seem like a psychopath, <laughs> but I was just having conversation, um, as I am with you guys right now. And it has been very powerful, (laughs) impactful, life-changing. And I just wanted to share that because I've just noticed already the impact that is made as I've done this just a few times and just invite you maybe on your regular practice, maybe you have a long commute. What would it look like if you, you know, just for 10 minutes at the beginning or end of your commute, like turning off the music and just imagine like Jesus is in the passenger seat, just inviting him as a friend, as a, as a mentor, as a, a good and loving father. Like what, what would it look like just to invite him 
just to be part of your day or going a walk or, um, putting on your makeup together. I mean, Jesus does probably doesn't wear makeup. You know what I mean? Like him being invited into your space, into something you're already doing. I think that that is the idea of praying continuously. I I don't know that I've ever really done that praying continuously, but when I shift the perspective and, and he's there anyway, right? He's there anyway, if we think about the Holy Spirit being there, but having that mental shift of shoulder to shoulder, like friends, colleagues in this thing called life. It's just a powerful example. And I hope that it will help someone else out there just to do this thing called life with the person who loves you so much, cause you worthy, cause you redeemed, cause you amazing. Hey, if this episode was helpful or you benefited from it, I would love your support. I do not have a Patreon or ask for donations, but you support this show when you shop our online store. I have sisterhood t-shirts, notebooks, and the very popular I Don't Date Dirtbags tote bag. Yes, that is what they say. And two digital courses all about dating. And if none of that suits your fancy, a review on iTunes would also mean the world. Thanks so much for being here, and I hope you gained some truths for your 20s.